0: All right, Luke chapter 20, verse 1 through 8. The Bible says, And it came to pass that on one of those days, I don't know about you, but just that phrase just strikes me funny. On one of those days. Does any, anyone know what the Scripture might be referring to, or maybe not referring to? Have you ever had one of those days? On one of those days, as Jesus taught the people in the temple, And preached the gospel, the chief priest and the scribes came upon Jesus with the elders. So, this is kind of the leadership of the Jewish people, uh, religious leaders as well as civil leaders. Verse 2 And spake unto Jesus, saying, Tell us, by what authority doest thou these things? And who is he? that gave thee this authority basically whose authority or who has given you authority to do what you're doing verse 3 and jesus answered and said unto them i will also ask you one thing just one thing and answer me the baptism of john jesus says the baptism of john was it from heaven or of men pretty and dry question he said I'm just gonna ask you one question the baptism of John John the Baptist when he came through he was baptizing people was that did that originate from heaven or from people verse 5 and they reasoned among themselves saying if we shall say from heaven he will say why then believed ye him not but if we say of men all the people that are here, they will stone us. For they, per- they were persuaded that John was a prophet. Verse 7, and they answered. So this was, verse 5 and 6 was them talking amongst themselves, reasoning among themselves before they gave Jesus an official answer. And so they pressed the button. They said, we're ready with our final answer. And, th- and they answered this, that they could not tell whence it was. We don't know we don't know where it was from. And Jesus said unto them, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. <laughs> you won't answer my question, I won't answer yours. I feel led of the Lord to speak from this dialogue, this portion of scripture on this subject to be honest. To be honest. Let's pray. Mighty God, we love you and we thank you so much for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of coming together under roof. And thank you, Lord God, for your word that's available. I ask that you will help me to speak as your spirit leads me and help me to do a great job to deliver the message that you've laid on my heart. But Lord, truly, it comes from your heart to your people. These are your people. These are people that have called on your name, that are here to hear what the Word says for their lives. And I pray that we will have open hearts and that you would open our understanding to understand the Scriptures. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be, may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Look over at somebody and just give them some jazz hands. Amen. Praise God. All right, so we've kind, of, we've kind of explained the story as we went, but let me, let me just kind of dig a little bit deeper and, and lay the foundation for tonight's message. So here we find a group of people coming up to Jesus. These people, uh, they were jealous of, they despised. Quite frankly, they, they hated his guts. They hated Jesus. and they, but, but the problem was is that they could not ignore Jesus the healings and the miracles which he performed. They they, they were jealous of him. They despised him, perhaps even hated him. They wanted him dead. But they could not ignore the miracles and the healings that he was performing. They were irrefutable. They were undeniable. John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Of course, perhaps many of you are familiar with John chapter 3. Why? Because in John chapter 3, Jesus has a conversation with who? Anyone know? Nicodemus, Jesus has a conversation with Nicodemus and he says those words that uh, many Pentecostals are familiar with, unless you are born again, you can't see the kingdom of God, to which Nicodemus says, well, how can you be born again? And Jesus clarified, he says, unless you're born of water, we understand, is baptism in water, and of the Spirit, which we understand is the infilling of the Holy Ghost, which is initially evident by the speaking of other tongues as God's Spirit gives the utterance. He says you can't see or enter into the kingdom of God unless you're born again of water and of the Spirit. Now let's back up a little bit, because in John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, it gives us some good information that we need to remember in the context of tonight's message. The Bible says in verse 1 that there was a man of the Pharisees, so Nicodemus who came to Jesus was among the Pharisees of which we read about in our opening text tonight that they came to Jesus with this question and Nicodemus was one of that group and this Nicodemus he was also a ruler of the Jews which again in our text back to our text talks about the elders so Nicodemus was part of these groups he was, this was his posse that came and Ask Jesus, how are you doing these things? By what authority are you doing these things? Now watch in verse 2 of John chapter 3, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, says unto Jesus, Rabbi. Now of course you see right off the bat, the way that Nicodemus is asking the question or approaching Jesus is a little bit different than what the chief priests and the elders and the Pharisees came to Jesus in our text. But Nicodemus says, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you're doing unless God is with him. Nicodemus came to the conclusion that the authority by which Jesus was operating was by the authority of God, the same God that Nicodemus was acquainted with of the Old Testament, the God of Moses, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, He said, the way that you're doing this is by the authority of God. Now, mind you, Nicodemus is of the group, the group that came to Jesus, asking Jesus, how are you doing these? By what authority? But nonetheless, all of them could not deny the fact that Jesus was doing miraculous things. Now, as I've already mentioned, Nicodemus belonged to the group of leaders who wanted Jesus dead. He was a part, he carried the title He carried the position, perhaps even had a badge that said he was a Pharisee, he was a ruler of the Jews. Follow me now, because I want to give you just a little side note before we move on. Even though Nicodemus carried the same title, the same position, the same badge, if you will, as those who wanted Jesus dead, scriptures show that Nicodemus did not share the same sentiments as his comrades. Which tells me this, that though he was a Pharisee, we find out that not all Pharisees wanted Jesus dead. Not all Pharisees were in this this group that was screaming to crucify Jesus. Somebody say amen. This is where we need to realize that we need to judge the person and not merely the position. We need to judge the person and not merely the stereotype. Because if you just look at the fact that Nicodemus was a Pharisee, you're like, oh, viper, snake, horrible person. But later on we find that Je- uh, Nicodemus when Jesus died Nicodemus was one of the ones that came and took the body of Jesus for a proper burial. Now, if these religious leaders, if these leaders of the Jewish people if they could not deny the power with which Jesus worked, we find that they would settle for questioning the source of the power or the authority. We can't deny what he's doing. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to get people to question the power or the source of the power with which he's operating. Now, in the text that we read to begin this message, they questioned it. But in other places in Scripture, like Matthew chapter 9, verse 33 through 35, we find that these people made outright bold accusations. That were based on what? Nothing. Just simply their opinion. It was simply based on their ideas, their thoughts, and they made these bold accusations. Mind you that when I read them for you, they're completely false. Completely false. Total conjecture of their ideas of Jesus. But it says this in Matthew nine thirty three: And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never seen in Israel. Jesus just cast out a spirit. The spirit that had an individual so bound and so locked up that he couldn't speak. And when Jesus cast him out, he was instantly able to speak. And the people said, we've never seen it done this way. We've never heard of anything like this. Verse 34 of Matthew 9. But the Pharisees, of which Nicodemus was a part. But this group of Pharisees said this. He cast out devils through the prince of devils. The way he's operating with this kind of power is because he's operating by Satan's authority. He's gotten his power and this supernatural activity is coming from the pit of hell. Satan has given him this authority. Again, here's this accusation that flies out there. And essentially the people giving the accusation, they are expecting everybody to believe it or at least some people because what they wanted is for people to stop following Jesus he cast out devils through the prince of devil, devils verse 35 watch and Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people so I want you to notice three things from those three scriptures that I read for you from Matthew chapter 9 notice this the work done in verse 33 was good it he cast out a spirit. The man was able to speak. It was good. It was very good. It was a wonderful thing. <laughs> it was a wonderful thing that Jesus did. He did this awesome miracle. But watch in verse 34, the Pharisees, even though it was good, even though it was wonderful, even though it positively, wonderfully changed this man's life and everybody that knew him. Because of their jealousy, because of their hatred, and their despising of Jesus, because they had something against Jesus, they were willing to go ahead and throw false information out there, even though what he was doing was good. They were like, we don't care what he's doing. We don't like him, so therefore we are going to blast him right here, right now. Now, what did Jesus do about it? Did he clam up and suck his thumb and go into hiding because of the haters? No, we find that he continued. You know what? Just because these people are going to throw these accusations at me It's not going to stop me from continuing to do what is right, what is good, what is holy, what is pure, what is the will of God for my life. And listen, if that's how Jesus treated those false accusations, if that's how Jesus handled those accusers and those haters, then you know what, maybe we should follow Jesus a little bit more closely as his disciples and say, you know what, persecution may arise, people may hate, people may say things against us that aren't even true, that aren't even factually based, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to keep on obeying the Word of God. We're going to pe- keep on living holy. We're going to keep on doing good. Somebody say amen. Now understand, let's, let's dig again a little bit deeper. Understand that these individuals that were questioning Jesus, that even threw false accusations at Jesus, understand that these individuals, that they're not, if I could say it this way, they're not the peons of the public. They're they're not the low end of the totem pole. These guys are bigwigs. They are people of authority. They are people with power and position and clout. Are you following me? And you know what? They did not get there just by chance. Okay. Understand that these individuals in this cultural and historical and religious setting of these scriptures... Authority in these matters regarding religious rituals and the sharing or the expounding of holy scriptures of the Old Testament. They were derived directly from who they sat under. They would sit under a teacher. You could actually see examples of this in scripture. Even Paul does it uh, when he's in self-defense in the court. He says, listen, I was under Gamaliel. I was under the great teacher, Gamaliel, okay, because in this setting, you didn't just walk onto the scene and just have a little bit of swag and speak just right with a little bit of uh, charisma, and all of a sudden, you had this following, and anyone that did, they were here today, gone tomorrow, of which, in, in the book of Acts, Gamaliel actually talks about that. He says, listen, people have come up, and they've had a following, but they're gone, And so understand that what these individuals, what they were questioning, had a little bit deeper significance than maybe what we could grasp in our 21st century uh, Western cultural minds. These individuals that were doing the questioning they had spent years, they had probably spent the majority of their lives, perhaps in their late 30s, maybe even in their 50s. And they had spent all of their lives basically in school, under a tutor, under a mentor. And so when they finally got to stand behind a podium and share scripture or, be, or speak regarding a civil matter or dispute, There was, no one was going to give them the time of day unless they spent a long time under someone's tutelage, under someone's mentorship. And even then, it would be questioned because based on who they sat under. When they said, what authority are you doing these things? By what authority are you saying these things? What they were asking is, who's your teacher? Who's brought you up? Who's going to vouch for you? (laughs) Mark chapter 1, verse 21 through 22. Watch this. Mark chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. And they went to Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day, Jesus entered into the synagogue, and he taught. Jesus walks into the synagogue, and he teaches. Now, mind you, if you really want to, to, to dive a little deeper on Jesus' life and his experience In the synagogue you could all the way go back to his 12th year of life when he was 12 years old and the Bible says that his parents lost track of him and when they found him he was in the temple he wasn't just in a synagogue he was in the temple in Jerusalem and there he was asking questions and speaking and people were amazed listen where did he get such wisdom Now watch, Jesus on the Sabbath day in Capernaum, he enters in the synagogue and he teaches, he opens the scrolls, he begins to teach, and verse 22, they were amazed, those in the audience were amazed at his doctrine or his teaching, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. So the scribes, they knew the law, they memorized the word, they were in charge of making sure Letter by letter, word for word, every, every syllable, everything that was in the scripture was meticulously and in minute detail copied and understood and known so that no mistake could be made between copy and copy and be able to share the word and the scribes, they knew what it said, appear. They knew what it said, they could speak from memory, they could speak like really good Bible quizzers. But when they sat there and heard Jesus, he wasn't just speaking from memorization of scripture, he was speaking with, he was speaking as one with authority, not just under authority, but he spoke with authority. He spoke with this authoritative tone in his voice as though He were the one who inspired the word. Luke chapter 4, it doesn't stop with his speaking, but Luke chapter 4, verse 36, the Bible says that the people that were gathered in this setting, they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? What a word is this? For with authority and power, he commands unclean spirits to go, and they go. Can I pause for just a moment and tell you that this Jesus that I just referred to from these two sections of Scripture who could speak with authority and command unclean spirits to depart of a person, that same Jesus is alive and here tonight. That same Jesus is alive and he is working today. He is working today. Praise God. Praise God. So in Luke chapter 20, again, the chief priest, the scribes, the elders... They questioned Jesus about the authority with which he walked or talked. And Jesus asked them to answer a question. They questioned where his authority came from. And in response, Jesus says, I'm going to ask you one thing. If you'll answer it, I'll give you the answer to your question. So before he was willing to answer their question, he asked them a question. Now, understand that Jesus knew their motives. Jesus knew their motives. Jesus knew their hearts. You're never going to come to Jesus and, um, and somehow deceive him by saying one thing, but feeling or believing another. Our Lord is not fooled. They questioned him because they were trying to undermine his authority. They were trying to undermine his leadership In the people's eyes that was the true reason they asked the question so in response Jesus asked them a question Jesus says now John the Baptist you boys remember him oh yeah yeah okay now he was baptizing people right down in the Jordan yep yep sure did now the baptism that he baptized people with now was that was that Ordained by God, or was that just something he came up with? Simple question. Just, and really, it was just, it was multiple choice. Kind of, one, kind of questions I like, multiple choice, you know. Like, the least favorable questions on a test is like essay answers. <laughs> Open-ended. And then you got multiple choice. And then what's even better is when it's just A or B. True or false? I'm like, 50-50. 50-50 chance here. And and that's what they had. I mean, they just had two choices. Two options. Now, here are these clever cats. They come up with a third option. We don't know. Now, these guys, the Bible says they reasoned among themselves. They were strategizing. I mean, listen to them. You know, they were saying, well, listen, Could you imagine, Jesus, I I don't know what it looked like, but when were they reasoning, or how were they reasoning? You know, they come to Jesus, and they were like, we got you, we got you good. Now, by what authority are you doing these things? (laughs) We got them right where we want them. What authority are you doing these things? And, And, you know, people behind them are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jesus, he says, okay, okay, let me ask you a question, and then I'll give you the answer if you answer my question." says now John's baptism John's baptism you know how what was that from heaven or earth because you imagine the look you know like deer in the headlights like oh that was not what we expected now what did they do did they like you know like hold <laughs> on what are we gonna do now <laughs> the Bible says they started reason among themselves I mean were they just talking out loud in front of Jesus or did they go off in a corner and be like, "Give us a few minutes, time out, huddle"? But the Bible says they reason among themselves, and you know they were saying, "Okay, okay. Now, if we tell them that it was from God, well, that kind of puts us in a pickle because we told everyone, you know, that he's not. And but if if we say that it's from men, then man, all these people that." we want to follow us and not Jesus they're going to hate us enough to maybe even kill us now mind you that the pharisees they were all about what the people thought of them i mean that that was what they lived for they had social media mentality before there was social media they longed and lived for people's approval they longed and lived for how many comments and how many likes that they're going to get and how many reposts and shares. They lived for that. They just wanted to know what people thought of them. And when people stopped following them and they noticed that, man, we used to have this many followers and it, we've got this, this many now. But look at Jesus. You know, they're scoping out his social media page and his following is like skyrocketing. They're like, ah, we got got to do something and so that the idea of them saying that John the Baptist was not of God his baptism was not of God they knew that the people already saw John the Baptist as a prophet and so they felt like they were in a corner but think about this these cats were acting like this was a chess game they were acting as though this is, this, is a, this is a moving of pawns and knights and rooks. And somehow if we, could, if we move here, then, then he'll move here. And if we move there, then he'll move over here. and oh, How are we going to do this? Oh, we got it. We got it. We're just going to tell him. We don't know. We don't know. That's an option. I mean, he didn't give it to us, but it's an option. We don't know. All right. We're good with that? We're good with that. Okay. All right, Jesus, we don't know. And the answer with which they gave, Jesus gave them right back. He says, well, I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) You ain't going to tell? I ain't going to (laughs) tell. How do you like that? You see, because Jesus doesn't play games. Let me just say that again. Our Lord does not play games. He's not, he's not here to play this cat and mouse game like, you know, oh, you know, you move your pawn and I'll move my rook, and, and somehow, you know, we're gonna see who wins. There's only one winner. And that's King Jesus every time. But what's what's the real issue here? The issue is this they refuse to honestly answer. When they said, we can't tell, or perhaps a more true translation of the original text, it would read this way, we don't know. When they said, we cannot tell, what they were saying was, we don't know. It's a mystery. We're not sure. Okay. When they said that, everybody say this word, liars. That's what they were. They were big, fat, filthy, dirty liars. They were totally lying. And obviously we see that in their reasoning. We see that motive. But listen, these guys, they saw the life of John. They heard his teaching and could say definitively that it was holy, that it was divinely inspired. And thirdly, thirdly, they witnessed with their own eyes the result of John standing for truth and speaking the truth. He died at the hand of King Herod. They witnessed all of that, and for them to stand there and say, we're not sure where John's authority was coming from. They were absolutely, unequivocally lying. They were not being honest. They were afraid of the truth. They avoided the truth. They bypassed speaking the truth. The least they could have done is looked at Jesus and say, we know if we say this you're gonna do this and we know if we say this you're gonna do this but instead they completely lied and said we're not sure I want you to understand this that his revelation in this case of his authority to us will be in proportion to the level of honesty with which we live before him their refusal to be honest led to his refusal to reveal his power. they're choosing to cover up the truth and cover up what their hearts were really feeling led to him saying, you know what, you want to know where my power comes from? You want to know where the authority comes from? I'm going to hold that back from you. Because what you're doing is you're playing these cat and mouse games and you're trying to act one way, but you're lying straight through your teeth. When you and I come honest before God, it demands this response from God where He uncovers Himself and reveals His authority, reveals His power, reveals His grace, reveals His authority. And what are you saying? Does that mean that God is dishonest or God somehow he does not enjoy revealing himself to those who seek him or desire to know him? That couldn't be further from the truth. When people will seek him and seek him with their whole heart, the Lord is excited to show his love, show his power, show his authority. But who are we speaking about here? We're speaking about Jesus, and it is Jesus who said these words in Matthew 7, verse 6, Give not that which is holy unto dogs, and do not cast your pearl before swine, lest they trample them under feet, and then turn again and attack you. Now that scripture that I just read for you from Matthew 7, verse 6, came right after verse 5, which says this, Before you try to pull the speck out of someone else's eye, you need to remove the beam that's in your own eye. Before you try to judge someone for what you see is wrong in their life, while in comparison to what you've got going on, it's, it's pretty minute. He says you need to judge yourself. You need to make sure your heart's pure. You need to make, listen, before you accuse someone else of being imperfect, you need to take a good long look in the mirror and realize how imperfect you are and how filled with flaws your life is. Oh, someone ought to say Amen. But listen, when you do live honest before me, understand, I'm not looking, I'm not looking to cast the holy things before dogs. But you know what? That's not the only time that Jesus called someone a dog. In this place, it's kind of generalized. He says, I'm not going to give holy things to dogs. But in another place in scripture, Jesus is very specific. He looks at a Syrophoenician Syrophoenician woman who wanted help for her house, for her child. And Jesus says, I can't take holy things. I can't take the bread that belongs to the children of Israel, to Jewish people, and give it to you you that's a foreigner. It's not that time yet. But yet that woman said, listen, but don't even the dogs. (laughs) Don't even the dogs get the crumbs? You see what happened is even though she was identified as the one at the bottom of the totem pole, she said, you know what, I'm honest enough with myself that I realize that my life has been filthy with immorality and abuse and, and all sorts of things I'm ashamed of, but you know what, Lord, listen, I'll face that reality. I'll be honest with you. And when she was honest with Jesus and wasn't trying to play games and wasn't trying to play cover-up you know what jesus did he said all right i see your honesty so i'm going to reveal my power i know it's not time yet i know it's not your area yet i know it's not your dispensation yet but i will reveal my power when you are honest with me oh somebody say amen Amen. You might look at that scripture in the Living Bible, Matthew 7, verse 6. It says, don't give holy things to depraved men. Don't give pearls to swine. They'll trample the pearls and turn and attack you. You might get offended by that and say, you know, does that mean that Jesus looks at some people and say they're dogs, they're swine, they're pigs? But you know what? Wasn't it the great Apostle Paul that did three missionary journeys? He said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. There is, a, there is this humility about him and honesty. Baptize us with honesty. It is the word that says that if we will draw close to God, then he will draw close to us. In James chapter 4, verse 7 through 9, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Verse 8, you should, you should get this verse in your spirit. Pray it. Think it, consider it, meditate on it. Verse 8 of James 4, it says, draw nigh to God. Draw close to God. Watch us, And God will draw close to you. Draw close to God and God will draw close to you. I know, I know what the enemy will try to convince you of and I know what your stinking flesh will try to convince you of when you're down on your luck, when you're not doing what you should be doing not living how you should be living I know what the world and the devil and your flesh will try to convince you of it will try to convince you that you need to isolate yourself that you should be ashamed God doesn't love you, God doesn't care about you but you know what the scripture says? Listen, submit to God resist the devil and draw close to God And when you start drawing close to God, God, as a result, will draw close to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning. Stop laughing like everything's okay. Because it's okay to say that you're not okay. Mm. When did the father of the prodigal son go out and meet his boy? He didn't go looking for him in a distant country. But when his boy was heading back in the direction of home, and even though he was still a long ways off, the father, at that point, got up from where he was and went running towards his son. To be honest, have you ever heard that phrase? Talking to someone and you ask them something or you're talking about something and they said well listen to to be honest (laughs) wait a second like is there an alternative like there's another option so wait so everything before you saying to be honest you weren't honest Of course I'm saying all that kind of tongue-in-cheek and why do we even say that there really isn't an alternative for a child of God Maybe I should switch the title from to be honest to let's be honest. Let's be honest. Let us be baptized and absolutely saturated with honesty once again. It is Jesus who said that he did not come for the whole, but for the sick. So in closing, I read from Matthew chapter 9, verse 11 through 13. Matthew chapter 9, verse 11 through 13, and I close. The Bible says, and when the Pharisees, there's those those same group of individuals again, the Pharisees. When the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, why does your master eat with publicans and sinners? Why is he associating? Why is he spending time with sinners? Verse 12, but when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, they that behold, need not a physician, but they that are sick. The healthy don't need a doctor, but the sick do. Did you catch that? Jesus explained the whole reason for any time he's ever hanging out with sinners. He said they're sick. Now, maybe when they heard him say that, maybe they could have got offended. You calling us sick? But I've got a feeling that those people that were with him that day that the Pharisees didn't have a problem saying sinners, publicans. We don't like your. We can't be around your kind. Jesus said, "Listen, because even though they are sinners, I'm willing to be with them because they realize who they are. They don't have masks on. They realize that I'm a doctor and that they're sick, and that they need help. He says, go and learn what this means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. I am not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Why don't we stand? We're going to go into just a moment of prayer before we dismiss and the youth and the kids come back in. But I want to encourage everybody, don't ever think it's an alternative or an option to live a lie the truth is we're not fooling God not ever sometimes the only one that is fooled is us thinking that if we act like everything's okay everyone will think we're okay when God and us both know the truth It's not okay somebody say help it's okay to ask for help why don't we do that right now Heavenly Father we come again before you in a moment of prayer and in response to the word that has been shared with your body tonight Lord we ask that you uh, Lord see us through we want to be baptized with a baptism of honesty Lord, we recognize that us being honest tonight does not mean that we, Lord, are going to continue in sin, but we're just recognizing that we need help, that we could do nothing apart from you. We invite you, Lord, to come and to be that doctor in our lives. We're not going to ignore the symptoms. We're not going to ignore, Lord, the challenges and the shortcomings and the failures, Lord, that are in our lives. And Lord, we're not going to try to play it off and strategize in such a way that Lord, we're questioning You. We're questioning where's Your authority and where are You when we need You? Lord, really, we're going to come before You and focus on the one thing that we can do something about, the one thing that we can change. And that's our actions, our attitudes. Lord, I love my church family. And I believe, Lord, that it's a group of people that I'm speaking to tonight, whether that are here with me in, in person or those that are watching the video recording I believe, Lord, that we have hearts that desire to please God. And thank you for the reminder that we just need to be honest. We need to be baptized with a baptism of honesty. And when we are honest before God, and when we draw close to you, Lord, you want to reveal your power. You want to reveal your authority. You want to speak to us. You want to comfort us. You want to heal us. You want to cut out the bad and insert the good. We invite you to be the doctor in our lives Lord to bring that prognosis and the diagnosis and any treatment that we need that you see fitting for our lives Lord while we know and appreciate the physicians of this earth we recognize that they only practice medicine And that to them, it is educated guesses of what they could possibly do to treat a symptom or a condition. But Lord, with you, there's no guesswork. There's no practicing. Lord, when we come with with our, with our woes and with our afflictions and with our shortcomings, Lord, you're not practicing. It's not guesswork for you. But we're so thankful to know a great and a good physician that desires to perform miracles and healings in our lives. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We humble ourselves tonight and we remember that we are saved by grace through faith. It's not by our own works. We can't boast of those tonight. We thank you, Lord. Somebody say in Jesus' name.